Hello, Gerald from Two Peas on a Podcast here. So you're listening to a podcast that you love right now. Chances are I love it too. In the independent podcast community, we all support each other, which is why you're currently hearing this promo. So I wanted to tell you a little bit about my show in the hopes that maybe you'll check it out. I welcome a different co-host each week, usually other podcasters, friends of mine, or random folks from the entertainment industry. Together, we count down our top five favorite things for whatever that week's topic is. It's often centered around music, movies, TV, and pop culture. We have over 250 episodes spanning nearly five years of programming, so there's bound to be something on our feed that's just for you. We release new episodes of Two Peas every Wednesday. For links to all of our content and to subscribe via your favorite podcast app, just go to our website. It's www.twopeasonapod.com. We can't wait to welcome you to the party. If you do one thing that I find weird, which is, you know, like your middle name, see, you're doing it right now. Can you just act like a human boy for one minute here? Look at me like a person. You can't do it for more than a few seconds. Look at me like a human boy. Don't mess around with me. You're going to be back on that plane. Chris Gelser here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, welcome back, Matt. I know you were away last week, but we are happy to have you home. Thank you. So on this episode, we're going to discuss Spiral from the Book of Saw. Chris Rock stars and co-wrote this spinoff that breathes new life into the tired franchise by examining police brutality while capitalizing on the opportunity to have Chris Rock and Sam Jackson play a father-son cop duo, or maybe it doesn't really do any of that at all. Then it's on to Tyler Sheridan's Those Who Wish Me Dead, a film that features a rock-solid cast from a director known for his adult, non-porn, dramatic thrillers. And uh, we've enjoyed most of his work, Matt, if not all. So I really was looking forward to this one. We'll tell you what's coming up with your physical media this week with your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to play a round of Call It. We have a bunch of new entries this week. We're going to have to make some hard decisions. So I hope you enjoyed that because... That entry was really bad. You're going to hear a little, some issues with that one. And I'm not, I'm just not going to edit a map because I don't want no. to do this another eight times. I'm on a clock right now. So let's gotcha. get everything rolling and hear a clip from probably Matt's new favorite horror film from his favorite franchise, Spiral. You pull a gun on your own man? You out of your mind? I could have killed you. What are you talking about? I got the gun. I could have killed you. How'd you get in here? You forget who the landlord is? Yeah, but that doesn't give you the right to just walk in here anytime you want. Renner's got rights. You start paying some rent, you can get some rights. I heard about Boz. You all right? No, Dad, I'm, I'm fucked up. Sorry to hear that. I know how close you were. Jigsaw copycat. That could be difficult. Yes, it could, Matt. So Chris Rock has always been a big fan of the Saw franchise. And Mm. true. And he had an idea. So he helped develop this film, put it together, stars in it. And Matt, how familiar are you with the Saw franchise? Have you seen all the films? Um, I saw the first two. And then I saw the one kind of soft reboot that we did for the show a year or two ago. 
Jigsaw, so. I believe it was called. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's that's it. I have not seen any beyond those three, and that's plenty as far as I'm concerned. Well, I guess my question won't really work for you then. I've only seen like the first couple, and then I didn't watch any of them, and then then I'd seen them over the years intermittently. Mm-hmm. And right. as part of Spiral, though I didn't get it done in time, I've been rewatching them all, and I'm wow. actually on I think episode episode. Listen to me. Uh, I'm on Saw 6. I just started it, which is the insurance company one. Okay. And yeah, they're not they're not terribly good. My question for you then, does <laughs> Spiral breathe new life into this franchise, man? There's a lot of elements in here that it could have going for it. It's got Chris Rock and Sam Jackson playing as father-son right. cop duo type, type of thing. Right, Rock's great. Sam's great. You could have some humor here. It could be topical. We could be dealing with police uh, misconduct in a really smart and interesting way. You know, fold in the traps and all the gore and violence that the Saw fans like. I think there's yeah. an opportunity here. Right? What do you think? I mean, maybe an opportunity. So, like, let's first let's just. I just want to take a step back. I just want to say that Chris Rock and Sam Jackson, your statement that they're great is just in, in their general work. Um, yes. I wouldn't say that they're great in this. Um, yes. they feel, I mean, Sam Jackson especially seems like he's literally just phoning this in for a paycheck kind of thing. Like he's well, That's true. I mean, before we jump into two, uh, we are we are being neglectful. I need okay. you to give us a quick synopsis of what Spiral is all about as well, please. So um, Chris Rock plays a homicide detective in new york who has been kind of ostracized by the department because he turned in a dirty cop and got him essentially arrested sam jackson plays his father who used to be the chief of police or the captain in the precinct i think that he works at and there is what appears to be a copycat killer of the jigsaw murderer um, that chris rock gets involved in and then it ultimately progresses from there because this new killer seems to be targeting police officers there we go so all right so get back to it then though we both appreciate rock and sam jackson right maybe they're not quite as good in this yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't call this this a material for them i wouldn't call this their best uh, performances i mean chris rock basically has one mode in this entire this entire film well i guess to be fair he has two modes he either has squinting steely with a steely gaze at the camera at all times or he's yelling those are his two like acting choices in this and then sam jackson is basically playing his like i don't care mfr like you know shtick but he's not doing it particularly well like he literally just looks like he sam jackson walked on the set says you got me for two days let's shoot the scenes and i'm out kind of thing you know that's basically what sam jackson the vibe he's giving off in this entire thing so Honestly, I'm not a huge fan, as we discussed earlier, of the Saw films. I don't think they really bring anything to the table. They're kind of lumped in with like things like the Hostel franchise is kind of kicking off that brief period of torture porn kind of thing. And there's more of the same of that here. We've talked at sh- on the show how we as a general group don't necessarily like that kind of horror. And it doesn't really bring anything new to the table. I mean, I guess I can see what they're trying to say. And I appreciate that they're trying to kind of put a little bit of the social commentary in there. But I don't know. It doesn't really feel like weight because they're all they're kind of telling you about all these things that supposedly these cops did without showing you kind of like kind of immersing it to you to where you feel like they deserve justice and like how do you know that this guy who's killing these people brutally is even right i don't know the whole thing is just everybody's kind of phoning it in it's kind of uh boring 
yeah, it just was not for me. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of the franchise, I think you'll find enough in here to enjoy. I think some of the deaths are suitably gruesome, though I think this one is a little less gory than the later entries were, especially you get to that like three, four, five, six realm. Okay. That, I mean, that's those films just are ugly. I mean, and not just in the gore. Because listen, I'm a gore fan. Like, I love those Italian horror films, right? I love all that kind of stuff. Sure. But with the Saw films, too, there's like this green, like, nauseous patina that's on a lot of them. Especially the last, right. like, four or so. And uh, so that's not the case so much here. It's It's still not great. And I think the issue I have with it is it's such a waste. I mean, it, the grand statement here that they're trying to make about dirty cops, it mostly just serves as a shell to build the traps around, particularly the last one, is which mm. is just painfully obvious that we're trying to make some statement here, right? And it's just really just disappointing. And I think that's why I dislike this film as much as I do. Because we have we have Chris Rock and Sam Jackson as that father-son cop thing. Imagine them solving saw crimes. I mean, I'd like that. If you would yeah. kind of unleash them and let them do their thing, you can interject a little bit of that humor with it. I think there could be something really fun and interesting about that. But no, it basically just is a saw movie with Chris Rock mugging every now and then, Sam Jackson delivering the occasional line and then and Jackson's barely in the film. Too. I right. think, he, like you said, I think he's in it for like 15 minutes total, if that. But I think, granted, the film itself is only like 90 minutes long. Yeah. And I should say, too, I said that Chris Rock co wrote it. I guess technically he didn't. I believe he developed the story, but he's not okay. credited as one of the writers. So I should clarify that. But it's just the problem is it just plods along, you know, and it's, it's just frustrating because it's an opportunity to do something different. And with the, with some characters, I and mean, some of the other side characters, I think are relatively well developed, or at least memorable and interesting. But it doesn't again; it doesn't really do anything with them. And probably for me, the biggest frustration is the mystery as who the killer is. It's so right. apparently obvious from the very beginning right. who it is. And at one point too, the cop's death. Uh, is well, whoever it is, uh, not to reveal too much, it's whiplash inducing how quickly it's introduced that this guy died, right? And right. then the clue as to how they identify the body, I mean, you immediately know what's happening. Right. And it's just to be so dumb and so lazy with it, uh, it's just disappointing. I was excited about this initially, met temperedly. I mean, slightly with Chris Rock's sure. involvement, saying he had this idea, something he wanted to do. I'm thinking, oh, that might be interesting then. But in the end, no. He rock succumbs to Saw's, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's <laughs> it's it's ability to drag you down, and instead yeah. instead of him elevating any of the material. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, like, I thought I was cautiously optimistic about this. Like, I didn't really look into it very much. But even just like the the kind of atmosphere they built on those posters, where it's just kind of like him and the smoke and everything like this. What I thought, I think this would have worked a lot better. And it seems the antithesis to what the Saw franchise is about, but I feel like this would have worked a lot better if it was more like Seven, where you only saw right. the aftermath. You didn't really see what happened, and like you're just kind of left to put the pieces together as far as what the kills are. I think if they had done that, and they, I think it would have been a lot more interesting and a lot more successful. It may Even have. if you are. Yeah. 
but it wouldn't be a Saw film. That's the whole point. I know, I know. Uh, which, but I'm not a huge fan of the Saw film, so that doesn't sound like something that would be terrible, as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. So I had a question for you. If you would rate the traps out of these, right? I'd say, what do you want to go to, like, a five stars uh, to uh, no stars, maybe? So okay. what, what do you think of the subway? We'll start off with the subway tongue trap. Yeah, like, I if, thought that was, that was pretty gruesome. I'm going to go with, that's probably my favorite of the trap, so I would mm-hmm. say that's a five-star trap. Nice. Now, could you survive that one? Oh, geez. I don't know, man. That's pretty <laughs> rough. Cause I mean, here's the thing. Blood loss is a thing. I, I don't even know if you are going to survive that, you know? So even if you made that Sophie's choice, I don't think you're surviving it. I think you're bleeding to death. Yeah. I, that may be for me, my favorite out of all of them as well. I would give that, but I'm, I hesitate to give any of them a five. So I would yeah. go four, and I think I'd be able to pull the trigger <laughs> on that one. I think I would survive that one, maybe. You think so? I would, okay. I would do the deed needed to do it. I think. Gotcha. Okay. Fingers. Very good. So this one guy's got his fingers, and they're gonna have to rip off. Yeah, fingers. I thought was the dumbest of the traps, mm-hmm. which is saying a lot. I feel like he didn't really try. Like I feel like he could have just taken himself out of the of the of the water. I feel like he could have climbed his way out of there without right. actually being, without really doing anything. Um, like he didn't really put a lot of effort into that. So I'm gonna give that a one star i think that was the weakest one for me mm-hmm. i'd give it a two a little bit better than that but i agree with you and again that one seems relatively okay to get out of i guess yeah uh number three then is the hot wax uh i wouldn't survive I mean, it's that gross one. huh you would not survive that one because the the only way to get out of it is to sever your yeah Right, just to have fine there, you're debilita- really debilitating injury after that, after the fact. Yeah, I guess I, yeah, I don't think I would survive that one either. Um, it seemed a little, it seemed a little less creative, although it seemed the most brutal, or at least seemed mm-hmm. very brutal. Um, at least between your choices, he really did not like her for some reason. So, yeah, I give it a three. I'll give that one a three. Same here. That's what I would give it. And then we have um, the glass grinder shooter thinger dumb i'm gonna give it a two i'm gonna give it a two um yeah i didn't think that and that one didn't really seem fair because like the guy that was facing the trap didn't have a choice to make he was relying on somebody else right exactly so that's uh i gave it a two as well i guess i couldn't survive that because like you say you're dependent on someone else i guess it was really their test that wasn't really yours Right. And that's the thing. Like, if it was the two of us, I, you would have died because I would have been too stupid to figure out what the clue that they were trying to do. I've been like, well, I tried. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got uh, Marcus's um, bank blood drain and then the setup, which is the final. I, I don't even count Zeke's trap because it's not really yeah, a trap. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty convoluted and kind of uh, mm-hmm. a little far-fetched. I think, I think I'm going to give that one a one star as well. As did I. I give yeah. that one a one as well, just because the hammer to the head symbolism of it and everything else, I yeah. just was not a fan. So yeah. what's your final grade for the film itself? Uh, I'm going to give it a D plus. I think it was better than Jigsaw, as much as that's damning it with faint praise, but it's still not good. Yeah, I gave it a D myself. So way to go, Spiral. Way to let me down. <laughs> And they did announce, too, that there is another Saw film that is uh, oh, being in production. fantastic. So, but you know what? Did, you know, this Jigsaw has, or Spiral has the uh, 
the the distinction of being the film that I restarted my A list for to to as things are kind of moving back to normal. Today the the mask mandate ended in Connecticut, so everything's Did back it? to full. Yeah, everything's back to full capacity and everything else. Oh, good, good for you. Yeah. Be safe mm-hmm. out there. Yeah, I'll try. All right, if you had a chance to see Spiral, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on Physical Media this upcoming Tuesday, May 25th, Doug Lyman has churned out some great action films. I don't know, though, so much about this one. My parents are dead. They got sick on the ship. They knew they'd never make it to New World. Sorry. They made me promise I'd make it here. Find a better life. They gave it all up for me to have this. It's not exactly what I'd imagine. Lonely, like me. Yeah, a little. That's right, Spider-Man and Ray team up in chaos walking doug lyman's latest film with daisy ridley and tom holland also features mads mickelson and nick jonas matt so that may get you to watch it but uh this is about the dystopian world where there are no women and all the living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images words and sounds called noise interesting okay (laughs) what else we got coming out uh lots of lots of lots of lots of stuff this week so let's try and blare through. The problem is my list as I'm going through it now, Matt, is all screwed up. Oh, no. This is just not your – I'm gone for one week, and it's not even like you didn't record a show, and, like, it's just falling apart. Yep. All right, I'm back on track. I figured it out. Prospect. Pascual Perez stars. Um, he's There is a teenage girl and her father, Perez. They travel to a remote moon on the hunt for elusive riches. But there are others roving the moon's toxic forest, and the job quickly devolves into a desperate fight to escape. There is a 4K release of this from Vinegar Syndrome, some deleted scenes, scene analysis, and more. Joel McHale stars in Happily. It's a dark romantic comedy. Tom and Janet have been married happily, Matt, for years. But a visit from a mysterious stranger leads to a dead body, lots of questions, and a tense couple's trip with friends who may not actually be friends at all. That um, mysterious stranger, played by Stephen Root, it was one of the better uh, character actors. We're big fans of his as well. The Korean film Deliver Us from Evil is getting a stateside release. An assassin goes to Thailand in order to solve a kidnapping case linked to him and finds himself chased by a man whose sibling he killed. Cinema Guild is releasing Yourself and Yours, a foray into the uncanny with a spin on Louis Bunnell's That Obscure Object of Desire. New to Blu-ray, Blue Underground is releasing their Cash Cow in 4K. I read about this, man. Every time they release the final countdown, they make a bunch of money off of it. If you're not familiar, this is the one about the U.S. Nimitz, the world's largest nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, and is transported back in time to December 6, 1941. And they have to decide, do they intervene and try and stop the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor? A brand new 4K restoration from the original 35mm, camera negative, Dolby Atmos, Dolby Vision, and more. Arrow is releasing uh, Django. The original film with Frank Nero also includes a Blu-ray of the pseudo-sequel starring Nero, Texas Adios. Also, it was kind of billed as a Django Part 2 in certain parts of the world. 
get a 2K restoration of Texas Adios, but you get the 4K of Django if you are a fan. Criterion is releasing Nightmare Alley. Stanton Carlisle has a low life working in a carnival. Knowing a good con when he sees one, he learns the tricks of a mind-reading act from Xena, then tosses her aside. In time, he becomes the great Stanton, star attraction of swanky nightclubs and a darling of society. But with all his notoriety built on lies, it's only a matter of time before exposure brings Stan's world crashing down around him. Brand new 4K restoration of that film, audio commentary from 2005, new interviews, and more. The 80s film Explorers is being released by Shout Factory. This is the one with uh, Ethan Hawke and River Phoenix. Matt, do you remember this one where the kids make a, a spaceship? These are in their garage in the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Yep. They launch yep. themselves on an interplanetary journey. Three new features with this one, uh, interviews, a making of featurette, and some deleted scenes, including optional commentary with Joe Dante, the director. Shot Factory is releasing City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, including audio commentary with Daniel Stern and John Lovitz. Shot Factory is releasing The Hand, Oliver Stone's film about John Lonsdale, a comic book artist who loses his right hand in a car accident in that. The Hand was not found at the scene of the accident, though. And it soon returns by itself to follow John around and murder those who anger him. A brand new 2K restoration of the film. Four new interviews, including one with Oliver Stone himself. Terror Express from Dark Force. Three thugs commandeer a couple of cars on a moving train and spread terror among the passengers. Newly remastered on that one. Revenge of the Bushido Blade, also known as The Last Reunion, being released by Dark Force. Brand new 4K restoration of that of the fully uncut version of the film. Agfa is releasing The Leather Boys and Life After Death. Scorpion is releasing Eye of the Tiger. This is the Gary Busey film. He plays a guy named Buck, a former Vietnam veteran slash ex-con, recently released from state prison. He returns to a small Midwestern town where he grew up, Matt, only to discover the place overrun by a large motorcycle gang. Brand new 2K restoration of that one. Hen's Tooth Video is releasing The Groove Tube, an independent comedy film featuring Richard Belzer and Chevy Chase. Before those people were really anybody. Brand new restoration of that from a 4K scan. I'm looking for this stuff. And this really is kind of the golden age of getting rare stuff issued out on Blu-ray. It is, yeah. Boutique labels getting their hands on these things that you would think you would never see. Mm -hmm. So, good on you. Warner Archive is releasing some films. The Tender Trap. Brand new 4K restoration of that film featuring Frank Sinatra. And then Athena, brand new remaster of that one as well. What else we got coming up? The Euro Crypt mat of Christopher Lee from Severin includes a bunch of lesser known films that Lee did in Europe The Castle of the Living Dead, Challenge the Devil, aka Catarsis, Crypt of the Vampire, Sherlock Holmes and the Deadly Necklace, Theater Macabre, which is basically a Hitchcock Presents type show that he hosted, a bunch of episodes of that. The Torture Chamber of Dr. Sadism, Relics from the Crypt, The Castle of the Living Dead original soundtrack included as well. So if you're a Christopher Lee fan, this seems to be a must-own set for you. Getting a 4K release, My Fair Lady, the Audrey Hepburn classic restored in 4K from an AK scan of the original 65mm elements. The 96K resolution Dolby True HD 7.1 soundtrack includes the alternate Audrey Hepburn vocals. Remember, they redubbed her singing in that movie. But as a special feature, you can hear her original vocals on that and more. There's a bunch of stuff on this one. Super 8, Matt. J.J. Abrams' film is getting released in 4K as well. There's a steel book if you want it. 
includes uh, Easter eggs, deleted scenes, and more. Fun City Editions is releasing Smile. The time has come for the annual Young American Miss Pageant in California. Executive producer Brenda focuses maniacally on the event, ignoring any complaints while her husband Andy sulks. Choreographer Tommy French looks after the safety of the contestants. With all the girls trying to outdo each other, tensions increase as the pageant drags on, and the skeptical contestant Robin takes the lead despite her reservations. A brand new 2K restoration of that one. Now you can get A Night at the Roxbury and The Saint getting re-released in Blu-ray. Out of print Criterions. So a bunch of Criterion movies, Matt, went out of print recently. I was actually going to grab a bunch of them before they were unavailable. And mm-hmm. that includes Don't Look Now, Rosemary's Baby, Days of Heaven, and La Dolce Vita are all being released on Blu-ray. No news on special features, but you do get digital copies. One of the films not mentioned yet is Robert Altman's Nashville. So no news with that one. And then a couple Hitchcock breakouts. They had that 4K set come out earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year. We have Steel Books now for The Birds and Psycho, if you are a fan. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt, is going to be Benny Loves You. Jack is desperately trying to start a new life, but when he throws away his childhood bear, Benny, it's a move that can only end in death. (laughs) What should we be streaming this week? So I've got two recommendations for you guys. If you're in the mood for a film... Um, I just caught up with a smaller film called Hunter Hunter. It's about a family who lives off the grid in the wilderness, living off of the land to survive when their livelihood is threatened by a uh, predator in the forest. And it's really kind of them versus what's out there to survive. I don't want to tell you too much about it. I don't want to give too much away. I was expecting a werewolf movie and it's not, but also I will throw that out there. It is an interesting film that has some really tense moments and um, it has a real stomach turning gut punch of an ending so you should check it out i believe it's streaming on hulu is where i i caught up with it um i also wanted to recommend more uh yeah if you're in the in the mood for a tv show or a more of a series um i finally started catching up with uh, netflix's animated adult anthology called love death robots what's interesting is that they're not Every, the order that they play is different for every subscriber. They basically shake up the order because it doesn't really matter because they're not connected. They're basically just short 10 to 15 minute little films that are animated um, that have really interesting different stuff applied to them. It's it's a science fiction to fantasy. Some of them are really dark. Some of them are funny, but um, not for the kids because they are all very violent and there are a lot of penises in it. So they're that's something to be aware of. But it is a fun little show. I'm, uh, second season just came out. So I, I've decided to finally catch up with it. So I, I think you should check it out. It's pretty fun. I've been... Not only rewatching Saw movies, Matt, I've been rewatching Quentin Tarantino movies as well. Okay. Okay. So that's where the penis is coming to play? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know what my issue is. I, I, you think with all the stuff I have to catch up with, I wouldn't be rewatching things I'd already seen. Yeah. Ha- have you have you decided to watch any of the new Creep Show, second season of the Creep Show? No, not show? yet. Yeah. No, I keep I forgetting it it's there. Either. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. I have no, I'm not super jazzed to go check it out. So there's a lot of stuff in, in front of it, but I will catch up with it eventually. Yeah, all right, sounds good. What we are watching around the house now is uh, um, was it How to Get Away with Murder. Mrs. First Run okay. is really into that one so far. So interesting. Okay. By the way, she she passed her final uh, defense in her dissertation. She's officially doctor. Oh, she's doctor Mrs. first, first run, run now. Yes, doctor Mrs. First Run. <laughs> That's right. Well, congrats, congrats to Doctor Mrs. First Run. 
what have I done with my life? All right, let's mm-hmm. go ahead and keep rolling and spend a few minutes talking about those who wish me dead. You're hidden, you stay hid. There's a rifle train on me. There's two of them, they're both armed. Connor, you're doing great. Just stay there, okay? Don't move. Don't talk. You got a weapon in your age? I have a pretty sharp axe. Pray this I didn't do it. I, uh... I don't know how to get us out of this. Those who wish me dead, Matt. So Angelina Jolie stars as a smoke jumper. She's one of the people that basically, right, they'll, they'll parachute in mm-hmm. from a helicopter to help rescue people who are stuck in fires. And she had a tragic event that's been haunting her ever since. Meanwhile, there is a forensic accountant on the run from somebody and his son. And they run afoul of these bad guys. Unfortunately, he doesn't quite make it. And his son is now the last survivor. Runs into Angelina Jolie's character. And then she has to protect him and ward off these bad people come to kill him. And gather evidence that maybe the kid still has of somebody's wrongdoings. Meanwhile, you have... John Barenthal showing up as the local sheriff who may be around to help people out as well. Taylor Sheridan, Matt, we're a big fan of his work here. So uh, his he first came to my attention as the writer of Sicario, Dennis Villeneuve, excuse me, Denis Villeneuve's film that I okay. absolutely adore and I watch at least once a year. Just a gorgeous film that is ruthless and uh, absolutely one of the best films, I think, of the past 20 years. He went on to also write Hell or High Water. And then he came in and directed Wind River, which is another great little film. If you haven't seen it, uh, just intense Jeremy Renner um, along with uh, Scarlet Witch herself, right? Yes. Elizabeth Olsen. Yes, thank you. I was—I don't know why I was blanking on the uh, first Olsen name for a moment oh, there. Yeah. I, I knew it wasn't Mary-Kate, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's as far as I could get. And I haven't, I'll confess, I haven't watched Yellowstone, which is a show that he is associated with, right? Have you ever seen Yellowstone? Is I haven't. Been? No, I've heard, I've heard good things about it, though. Yeah. So, I don't know. So, maybe sometime we'll add that to the list as well. He did write Sicario Day of the Soldado, which is not terribly good, but I blame that more on a lack of Villanueva than anything else. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, here we are with his latest directorial film, Those Who Wish Me Dead. Matt, what happened? I don't understand what the issue is with this film. It's it's not as, I don't want to say nihilistic, because I don't know if that's how I describe his films, but there's right. this kind of overwhelming kind of sadness in a lot of his work and an inevitability that kind of feels in everything that right. he does. Right. And this feels more like a carbon copy of his work. Right. And it does something he did. I it, I feel like maybe it's an appeal to a wider audience that it just doesn't work as well for me as some right. of his prior films. What are your thoughts on Those Who Wish Me Dead? Yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed with 
this. I think there's there's a few, I think, glaring flaws. I mean, first, he leaves a lot up to interpretation. And part of me says I appreciate that he didn't feel it necessary really to kind of get into the details of some of the backstories of these people. But it's like there's the events that he talks about, but he never really gives a lot of detail on, which I think is a bit of a misstep but i think the more glaring issue is that there doesn't really seem to be a focus for this film is it who's the protagonist is it the kid is it john barenthal is it you know nicholas holt and littlefinger as the bad guys is it uh angelina jolie the problem is he kind of bounces between these three these kind of sets of characters and he doesn't really do a good job of tying them together like i think he spends too much time you know, um, kind of showing the surface of depth for these things. And I think where things like Sicario worked really well, where Hell and High Waters, it had a very distinct focus. Like you were focused on one or two characters and everybody else was kind of like orbited around them. And it was kind of like how they interacted with those things. Whereas this, it kind of, I think he tries to do too much and I just don't think it works out that well. And I mean, this movie was kind of like a, a game of like, oh, it's that guy. Like even Tyler Perry shows up. Like when I see him in mm-hmm. like in the distance, I was like, oh my God, is that Tyler Perry? Am I going to have to be forced to watch Tyler Perry? And then like he's there for five minutes and then he never shows up again. So like, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he left too much on the table. I think he, it, this would have been a lot better movie if he had just picked uh, somebody to focus on, which I'm would think that Angelina Jolie's character would have been the wrong person to focus on. But, you know, otherwise I think he just kind of left it too, too scattered. I think he tried to do too much and just didn't bring it together. I think that's really well put. And one of the things that really surprised me for me is how uninteresting Angelina Jolie is in this film. Her character. I mean, we, she's the one that gets saddled with the regret and the depression and the pain, Mm -hmm. right. Of the uh, possible, of the things that happened in her past. But sure. at no point do I really seem to care about that. I'm never able to connect with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's basically just a cipher, right? I mean, she's she doesn't really have any character at all. I mean, she's essentially badass who got pushed to the brink and now she's got PTSD and she's got a death wish kind of thing. And that's basically it. That's her entirety of her character. Smart ass, badass that has PTSD. That's it. John Barenthal is basically playing the same version of every character he seems to play. I mean, he's basically, you know, a version of the Punisher and Shane and like his guy from Baby Driver. You put those three together and now that's him, you know, in this film. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I think the world needs a little more Barenthal. I wouldn't mind a Pluto channel to just ran John Barenthal roles in films (laughs) all the time. I'd be happy with that. But and then I, I think you're right about two about Jolie's character. I mean, even God's got it out for her. She basically gets struck by lightning twice. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's you really, he is putting her through the paces and really not appreciating her at all. And I, I mean, I enjoy the general conceit of the film and there's some people saying it's like a nineties action film and it's not aesthetically at all. It more is in regards to the political power, corrupt political powers coming up and trying to knock off witnesses and stuff. That was like a big sure. staple of mid nineties movies and like, you know, thrillers, your Pelican right. Brits, right? I don't know why that is. That just seemed to be what was happening then. So, but the whole proceedings, Matt, the film feels like we're stuck in second gear the entire time, particularly after the, uh, the middle of the road confrontation, once mm-hmm. we've reached the Pacific Northwest, right? There's a lack of energy and propulsion 
And the film mm-hmm. gets really slow, which is funny because the score itself is it's very ominous, right? This is right. it really kind of tries to fill you with dread, but it never matches the actual tension or almost lack thereof on the screen the entire time. If I had any bright spot for me, it would be Medina Singhor, which plays Barenthal's wife in the movie. That was probably the only time I really felt stakes or right. really felt something bad could happen, which is a hallmark of, of his movies, where you always feel like the absolute worst thing could happen to these people, right? Right. And the only time I really felt any tension or real concern was with, his, with her interactions. What I found interesting, too, I'll say, is... I like that the bad guys kind of meet with these narratively unusual ways. Their arcs aren't really like wrapped up easily or, right. or cliched traditionally. But there's also this anticlimactic feel to the ending as well mm-hmm. that I had. So overall, I mean, it's it, it, all these kind of characters, like you say too, particularly Jolie, act as ciphers. Like I like that we established one of the opening scenes in the bar that they're all just a bunch of a holes by when right. they're harassing that young couple. You know, right, I mean, right. That's, anyway, there's a lot of stuff like that. So, yeah, overall, Matt, the experience for me was just kind of mostly meh. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I think there's a nugget of some good stuff here. It's just that they just never really fleshed it out in a way that kind of worked. I think. You could have completely gotten rid of the whole smoke jumper angle of this thing. Like it's yeah. completely pointless and it would have made absolutely no difference. Like I was more focused on like you could have just had Nicholas Holt and Littlefinger chasing the kid and Johnny Barenthal and I would have been happy. I think that would have been a much better movie. Just get rid of all of the smoke jumpers and Angelina Jolie. because None of that makes any sense. It doesn't need to be there. I'm inclined to agree with you. I ended up giving those who wish me dead a C. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it uh, a C as well. I don't think there's... Can't muster up enough hate for it, but I'll never watch it again. I'll say Fair that. So Those Who Wish Me Dead is currently available in theaters and on HBO Max for a little while longer. Mm-hmm. If you had a chance to see it, we'd love to hear, hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, it's return of call. We have some decisions to make. One of them featuring America's Sweetheart. No, not that one. The one of the old OG ones. Victor, the woman lying dead in the morgue was the woman at the party. Yes. Well, Victor, maybe I'm missing something here. You called it a fake charade do you mind telling me what kind of charade ends with somebody turning up dead okay but let's 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 cut the bull right you've been way out of your depth for the last 24 hours you want to know what kind of a charade i'll tell you exactly what kind That whole play-acted, take-me, phony sacrifice that you've been jerking yourself off with had absolutely nothing to do with her real death. Nothing happened to her after you left that party that hadn't happened to her before. Ooh, I wonder what those things are. Matt, that of course is Tom Cruise and Sidney Pollack in Sidney Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut. So let me ask you, call it. Tom Cruise's most iconic movie is what? 
Uh, Tom Cruise's most iconic movie is what? Or role, maybe? Uh, I'm not sure. What do you think? I'm going movie, personally. Yeah. Um, Like, if you were to say Tom Cruise, you know, the guy from blank. I would say Top Gun. I think that's the one that really kind of launched him into superstardom. And, yeah, he's got a lot of great films under his belt. But I think, especially some really great genre sci-fi films, but... I think Top Gun is the one. I think uh, that volleyball movie is the one you got to go with. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, no, I'm I'm inclined to go with Top Gun as well. Even though the Mission Impossible franchise has probably been the most dependable action franchise of the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. 30, 30 years, Jesus. Uh, but still, I think he's most known. I think at that point, for, you know, Top Gun is is the top, the quintessential Top Gun movie. It really captures everything about who he is and what right. he represents, right? Right. Uh, the, the the roguish charm, the good looks, the smiles, the smirks, the yeah. yeah, the volleyball, everything you need. Yeah, the sweating, the running. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Over top ridiculousness at times, yes. All right. Yeah. What do you got? All right. So which of these two awful choices would you prefer? Um, I sent you the link. I don't know if you read it, but uh, yes. call it. Amazon buying MGM or Netflix buying MGM. Now put aside any put aside any considerations of whether who's got more money. Which one would you rather have? I'm not sure. I go back and forth on this, right? Because Netflix isn't afraid to shy away from the auteurs. Well, I shouldn't say that. The issue, right? Because they did Roma. Netflix mm-hmm, did they Roma. Did. And yep. they, uh, Irishman, which I like, mm-hmm. but part of me likes Amazon's willingness to take a shot. Like they did the neon demon, right? right. They gave Nicholas winning ref and a bunch of money to make a show that I still haven't watched. <laughs> Nor I think it has anybody else. Here's what I'm concerned about. Cause it's MGM. It's Orion, right? So it's James Bond. It's Robocop. I feel like it, Netflix is quality is quantity over quality. So I got to right. go Amazon. Right. I think I agree with you. I think Netflix for the most part, they, they take a lot of swings. That's what I do like about Netflix is that they're always trying something, but uh, most of the time, only about a third of it is really worthwhile. Um, but they're always at least trying. Whereas I think Amazon's much more methodical and much more, cynical about what they're going to produce um but they i think overall they're even though there's a lot less of it their overall quality content is a lot better i guess i would go with amazon as well even though they're basically quickly becoming the other half of the evil empire um you know with disney i mean if it comes down to it uh, you know this is become if this is 1984 you know you know of the three mega countries in the world you know disney one amazon the other and it remains to be seen which one is going to be the third so as far as the entertainment industry goes well it looks like it's going to be uh, discovery slash uh warner brothers or whatever it is right because uh at&t is divesting themselves of yeah that entire I know, you think that's going to be a big deal like i don't see how discovery plus is that big a deal I mean, maybe I... i'm not a i don't know i'm not the target audience for that stuff and i don't feel like it's a huge draw well, the impact is is going to be on people like me. I don't know what's going to happen because I have AT&T TV now, right? Through my right. phone plan, I get a discount through that. And when I signed up, I got HBO free, HBO for free for life. Right. So I have HBO Max for free. Right. Which I think is the bar none, hands down, best streaming service available is HBO Max right now. Just the amount sure. of content they have. 
Right. So I don't know what's going to happen. Am I going to lose my all my deals and stuff? I basically play 40 bucks a month, Matt, and I have cable. I have a, a like a 20, 30-hour DVR and HBO Max all included, which right. is insane. Right. So I don't, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm a little nervous to see what's going to happen. Good times. <laughs> all right, Matt. So let me ask you. You have two franchises to go forward with. Which are you going to go with? Venom or Morbius? I know um, we haven't seen Morbius yet, but I know what a huge yeah. Jared Leto fan you are. Huge Jared Leto fan. <laughs> um, you know what? I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know what you're going to get with Venom. Then there's yeah, the I don't, promise I don't, of the unknown with Morbius. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go with Morbius just because of the promise of the unknown. It hasn't disappointed me yet, whereas I thought Venom is not good. And the Let There Be Carnage or Maximum Carnage, whatever they're calling it this time, does not look good at all. Um, so I'm not excited about Venom. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go with Morbius just because hopefully maybe it's better. Whereas I know Venom is not going to be good. I'm actually going to go Venom because A, we have Tom Hardy. And then B, you're going to have Woody Harrelson as, yeah. as uh, Cassidy, right? And Which could be just balls to the wall insane. And I'm right. really hoping Harrison Harrelson leans into that, and that movie is nuts. And yeah. then I'll feel a little bit better about it. Jared Leto, I'm just, I don't, Morbius just seems, I don't know, I'm just not excited. I'm not excited for either of these films, I guess. No. But at least I have known quantities with Hardy and Harrelson, and right. we can go from there, I guess. There you go. It's better the devil you know, I say. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Not sure if I agree with that one, but I, I I appreciate your position. All right, so I was kind of thinking about this because um, I haven't seen many of these directors. So of these two problematic auteurs, Woody Allen movies or Roman Polanski movies? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> now I want to say I've never seen Annie Hall. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, really? But I'll never probably watch it. So I was just, you know, I, I just know that they have some all-time classic films that have just been tainted by their their outside activities. So I'm just wondering which one is worth keeping of those two. Oh, man. Jesus Christ. What a horrible question. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be a Sophie's Choice game, right? So here yeah, we go. Except can I give away both kids? <laughs> um, well, ignoring the fact that let's not say that they're – making new films this is not future content this is just what they produced so far yeah so let's just say they they get the hitchcock treatment like where we they, they, we just appreciate it's gotten far enough in the future where we just appreciate their films but you ignore their awful behavior which one do you go with which which i over do you go with i guess i go polanski because i lean more towards horror than i do comedy mm -hmm. so i guess i gotta go I mean, I I watched Rosemary's Baby before I'll rewatch Annie Hall, even though I do love Annie Hall, and yeah. well, Helen has done some great work. But I just, God, that's a horrible question. I guess I go Polanski. <laughs> Plus, and then I get Once Upon a Time in Hollywood too. I guess right. So, yeah, yeah, that's tough. I don't know. Um, I guess I go with Polanski. I guess even though I feel like he's the worst person, but I guess if we're ignoring that, I guess. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Although I liked, I really liked some of of Woody Allen's really early work. Like I think Sleeper and uh, What's Up Tiger Lily are pretty funny. Yeah, no, I agree. So, all right, Matt, you haven't really seen the Saw films. Have you seen Final Destination films? Uh, I've seen a few of them. I haven't seen all of them. 
All right, we're gonna pocket that then. I was gonna have you choose between the two franchises, but uh, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna come up with. I don't think I'm gonna suddenly see all those films to be able to answer that question. Yeah, because I was thinking about because they're not none, none of them are particularly good, and they're all more known for how people die than yeah. anything else. But, yeah, but I can answer fine. that question. I can answer it now. Yeah. All right. Good. I would say Final Destination because it's more fun and more creative, whereas Saw is just a, a slog of misery. I'd probably go the other way for that exact reason. Same, those exact same reasons. <laughs> so, all right. Did you have any more? Or I yeah, know. I have one more. I know we're up right, on a ahead. deadline here, but I do have one more. So, Battle of the Big Men. Choose one. The Rock or Dave Bautista? Ooh. First off, I saw The Rock on Instagram, and I wanted to comment on one of his pictures. I wish, he'd, I wish he would stop shopping at Baby Gap. But I guess if I was a rock, I'd probably do the same thing. That's right. There, I don't know. I, I got think I got to go with Tampa local Bautista. Yeah. I was a big rock guy for the longest time, and I still love him. But rock is just charisma incarnate, mm-hmm. you know. And I, but I think that there's something about Bautista that he's almost has this everyman quality to him, which I know it sounds like a weird thing to say. And there's yeah. also a vulnerability to him that I don't yeah. see so much that I that, that you, you don't see with Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I guess I got to go with uh, Deba. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Batista as well. I think he seems like he seems like a nicer person, um, whereas Rock just seems to be like he's kind of just lives his persona at this point. Not necessarily as a bad person, but he's like the Rock kind of thing. And honestly, even though the Rock has done a lot more films. I, as a general rule, like Dave Bautista's roles better than I like uh, The Rocks. I'm really hard-pressed to come up with more than one rock movie that I really like. That's true. Man, that's, we'll have to see what happens with uh, Black Adam. But the he never seems to have adapted a franchise of his own. He doesn't have his mm-hmm. Terminator, basically, is right. what we're saying, right? So, right. Interesting. All right. I, I'll close it out, Matt, with this one then. You weren't here last week, unfortunately, to discuss uh, Wrath of Man, but I am curious. Guy Ritchie or Matthew Vaughn? So Guy Ritchie, we've got Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Swift Away, Revolver, Rock and Roll, the Sherlock Holmes movies, Man from Uncle, very good film if you haven't seen it, The Dreadful King Arthur. He did do Aladdin, Gentleman, and of course, recently, The Wrath of Man. Matthew Vaughn, who uh, started as a producer for Guy Ritchie, and then he directed one of my favorite films, Lair Cake, Stardust, Kick-Ass, uh, X Men First Class, then the Kingsman films. So who would you go? Who would you go with? I think I'm going to go with Matthew Vaughn. I think even though as, as most of Richie's films, I don't really love. I do like Snatch, but I don't think a lot of those have aged particularly well. Where I think Vaughn's films are a lot more solid all the way through. Even though I didn't love his X Men film, I'm going to go with Guy Ritchie. Personally, I really enjoy those first two films, Lock, Stock, and Snatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Rock and Roll is actually not too bad. The Sherlock Holmes movies with RDJ are entertaining, mm-hmm. at least. Except, and the, the Man from Uncle is great, even though it does feature a cannibal. And <laughs> like I said, I softened on The Gentleman. I rewatched it a couple weeks ago and I really enjoyed it. And I did enjoy Wrath of Man for the most part. So if I had to choose one of the, though, I do, man, I do love me some Larry Cake. But yeah. um, outside of Larry Cakes, Matthew Vaughn's films, I could really take or leave, really, outside of that. The Kingsman films are, are, are okay. They're entertaining, but they're okay. 
And there's just not enough of a library there yet for me to say that I would choose him over Guy Ritchie. There isn't. Right. So there you go. But he doesn't have the lows that Guy Ritchie does. No, he does not. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. But uh, I'll take the lows if I can get uh, something potentially really good too. So we'll see. He does a new Statham film called Five Eyes in the uh, can right now. Too. I think it's in post-production. So we'll have to see if that probably comes out next year. All right. Good times. How would you make those calls, folks? Just an email at feedback at thefirsttorun.com. Matt, coming up next week, what do we got going on? I like to set you up. Oh, you like to set me up? Um, we're doing uh, um, the uh, new Zack Snyder zombie film that I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. Uh, Army of the Dead. It is Army a of zombie heist movie. Yeah, which I don't know why in the middle of a zombie apocalypse you would decide that you need a bunch of money, which will be quickly worthless, but whatever. And then, uh, yeah, we are also doing Writers of Justice, which I'm yeah. not familiar with. Mads Mikkelsen Revenge movie, which uh, okay. sounds like something I definitely want to see. We just did a Mads film, too, a little while ago, so it's good to see uh, him back in the saddle so quickly with us. Coming up shortly, too, uh, we're going to be talking about Mitchell's versus the Machines, which is supposed to be quite good by the do, the team that brought you the uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which mm-hmm. is on uh, Netflix. Alexander Asia's latest film, Oxygen. Uh, I'm a big fan of Asia's work, so we'll see how that checks out. And, of course, Quiet Place 2, The Conjuring 3, In the Heights, all of that stuff coming up soon. In the meantime, head on over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It'll help other people find the show. And we will read that bad bear on the air because I enjoy punishment. <laughs> In the meantime, folks, everybody, uh, take care of yourselves. I feel like there's something else I normally say here, but I'm blanking on what it is. I think that's it. Is that it? That's I it. Think, I think that's it. That's it, yeah. Good times. All right, everybody. Go ahead, take care of yourselves. Get fully vaccinated. We love you. Take care. We'll take an extended break, and we'll see you soon. That's what it is. Yes, I know where they are. I'll get them for you in just a minute. Sir. Watch it, Buster. Oh, Mr. Holiday, I'm sorry. Hello. <laughs> Miss... Uh, Piggy. Miss Piggy? Right. Of course. Have dinner with me tonight. Really, I'm very busy. Oh, can we meet just just for a moment? Just, underwear, just, underwear, just one underwear. brief moment, Miss Piggy. Miss. Hmm? Miss Piggy. You're a very different looking woman. I'm so tired of the same type. Those tall, thin creatures with the long legs, the, the aquiline noses, the teeth like pearls, soft skin. Yeah, well, I can see why that might make you sick to your stomach. <laughs> Please now. Please, Peggy. No, please, no, please, please. Don't put a door between us.